Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So the song 23 in the songbook is played for song 20.
Page 22, in the garden. Page 22, in the garden. And remember last week, after the sermon, Brother Robert said, have you looked at Psalm 22 through 25 in our songbook, which we made this songbook, printed it out on here, and... We did not plan the page numbers. The homemade songbook, and not copy of anybody else's songbook. And absolutely, praise Jesus, that page 22 is called In the Garden, which, although the song itself does not talk about the garden of Gethsemane, it reminds me of the garden of Gethsemane, the garden that Jesus was arrested in on Passover night. And Psalm 22 in the Bible is about Passover and Purim. Then page 23 in our songbook is the anchor of hope, which is the theme of Psalm 23 in the Bible of God sustaining us through the valley of the shadow of death, through the storm of the night. Same theme, perseverance through hard times. Page 24 is like Psalm 24. It is talking about praising God. The song in our songbook is called Oh, 4,000 Times. I love that song. And it's the theme of praising God. It's the theme of Pentecost. Talking about Oh, 4,000 Times to Sing. Really just a symbolic number, meaning many, many, many people. We know that on Pentecost, the last year before Jesus comes back in the year 24, God has revealed to us that year, which is great not only for the future but also for right now because we know that we have another year before the great tribulation. That gives me comfort and strength and peace even though I'm looking forward to the great tribulation because I'm ready to move on to the next phase. But at the same time, that year is needed by some people, some people that I know, some people that are close to me, and other people. Some people need that extra time to get ready. And 
especially new people just coming into the truth, they need that extra time to get ready as well. So it is a comfort that God has answered our prayers about letting us know in advance about whether the parent prophecy, the great tribulation, would begin this year or next year. That was a great answer of prayer for God to let us know. Amen. Amen. To let us know. And of course the bride will know when her marriage date is. Absolutely. Amen. When Jesus said, no man knows the hour, not even the angels in heaven, the day or the hour, he did not say that no man or even the Son of Man, not even the angels in heaven would never know. He didn't say that, but that's what everybody twisted to say. He did not say that no one would ever know. But rather he said in the present tense, that at that time, basically, they did not know. But it's only common sense that as it gets closer to the wedding feast that the bride would know so that she can get her hair ready, so that she can get her dress ready, so that she can press her dress as white as snow without wrinkle. Amen? Amen. I mean, that would be rude for the groom to not tell the bride to get ready to get dressed. Amen. She would be found with her hair up in rollers. You know? So God is a gentleman. Amen. God is a gentleman for his bride to tell her to get ready that you've got so much time. And then finally, on page 25 in our songbook, it's called Precious Lord, Take My Hand. And Psalm 25 in the Bible is talking about the Day of Atonement. It says, lift up my soul. I lift up my soul to you. Uh, and it's talking about going into heaven to where God's family is, be with him for that marriage feast before we come back down on earth later on. And, and this song right here is, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. Uh, I'm tired and weak. Take my hand, lead me home. And even though heaven's not going to be our home forever, it's still that it's still that theme of going to the Lord. It is the theme of going to the Lord. Amen. That's exactly what it's talking about. Amen. So it is amazing and mind blowing how our even our song uh, was planned by God and we did not So, with that in mind, let's go to page 22 in our songbook, In the Garden. Amen. And as we sing this song, we sing it with the acknowledgement and understanding that we want to be with God in his garden. We don't want to forsake God like the disciples did. They ran and scattered, and they slept much of the night when he kept telling them to wake up. He kept warning them to be awake and to be alert that the hour was there. And they were, most of the disciples were sleeping and they came to arrest Jesus and then they scattered like cards. Let us not be that way. The Bible says that our righteousness is the righteousness of the Pharisees, not the disciples. 
But nevertheless, Pharisees were very legalistic and knew the law and knew the scriptures and was extremely careful about what was done. And all righteousness, it says, must surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees. But I would say also our righteousness, we should seek to bypass or uh, not bypass, but uh, exceed even the righteousness of Peter, who was the weakest disciple of the strong disciples, um, must be uh, some kind of notification. Your tongue? I just said nourishing slowly. Oh, okay. So Peter was the weakest of the true disciples, not including Judas Iscariot, of course, who wasn't really a true disciple. Peter had a lot of problems. And lots of problems. We do have an article on the website talking about the sins of St. Peter. Oh, they were multitudes. Amen. And I think that we should exceed that. Not that we're trying to outdo each other, but we do have standards. Kind of look at other people to get a standard. So, page 22 in the garden.
and they're not saved, and they don't have the spirit of the Holy Ghost, but rather they are marked, branded in their forehead, and their hands with the mark of the beast, through the worship of Christmas and Easter and Sunday. They are branded spiritually with lawlessness in their forehead and in their hands. So who are they praying to then? And who are they worshiping? So we be careful about such things. I'm talking in general. And we should be careful about such things. And as we continue to spend time with God, we learn more about what type of music we like. It shouldn't be about what we like. So many people are obsessed about what they like and not what God likes. Yeah. The worship music should be pleasing to the ears of God. It is God that you're personally worshiping with that music, not yourself. Not what you like, not what you want to hear, not what you want to hear. But what God considers as a holy, acceptable sacrifice and praise. Yeah. The Bible calls our praise a sacrifice of praise, but I know it is a sacrifice And it should be a supplicable offer. Not every sacrifice is a in the Bible. So we must be careful how we worship God, with what day, what words, Go forth. What people? Congregation. Spend more time with God. We learn these things more and more. Over the years, learn more and more and more. And He's patient with us as long as we continue to speak, continue to be obedient, continue to be repentant to grow, then he is patient with us. No, he can only do so much per year. He knows that. We're all born again as infants spiritually, and we all grow, grow, grow in spirit. Building upon, building upon knowledge, building upon repentance. This patient with us that we must show that we are willing to and actually grown. Yeah. So praise the Lord for all these things. Amen. We've got a special message today. I believe it's inspiration as well as a confirmation of things and better comprehension of Lord for spiritual meal that we're about to experience. Just go in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we praise and worship you, Father, and we thank you, Lord, for this day, and we thank you, Lord, for everything you've already said today, what you're teaching us, and for what you're about to teach us. We ask you, Lord, to help us to understand everything that's about to be told, help us to understand fully, help us to understand better, better comprehension. 
and please help us to continue forth with your help and with your strength as we press through a difficult time, as we press through temptations and trials, as we press through all the hardness of this world. Give us strength. Help us, Lord. Hold our hand. Help us through this valley. We trust you for it. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. And you're faithful to finish the work you started in us. And you're faithful to see us through until the end. Praise you, Lord, for your mercy, for your grace. Amen. We also lift up to my wife, Brittany, and all those that are struggling. In other words, that are your people, your children. Your people that follow you, that seek you, that serve you in the truth, that accept your commandments, that accept your truth. We lift them up to you. Those that are struggling financially, physically, physical sickness, financial strengths, and emotional or spiritual or mental problems, physical problems, finances, and other things. We ask for clear direction for all of us for this final year of preparation, clear direction for each and every one of us, how we are to prepare spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, physically. Give us clear direction and help us to embrace your will rather than our own. Help us to follow your will in our life, not what we want. Your will, Father. What do you want from me? What relationships do you want in my life? Not what I want. I have been crucified so that I may be resurrected with you to live your way, not my own. Your direction. You are the leader and not me. You are God Almighty. I am your servant. Lead me and I shall follow you because you are good and you are faithful. You are true. You are worthy of all praise, all glory. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for who you are. Wonderful is your name. Praise you, Father, in Jesus' holy name. So be it. Amen. Praise Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Let's open up the New Testament here. Praise Jesus. Let's start in Revelation 19. Revelation 19. Revelation 19, this entire chapter occurs in heaven. And at this time, the setting is that we were called up on the Day of Atonement, 
and we're out there for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to uh, serve the Lord and worship Him at that time and have good fellowship with one another as well as, as, well as to receive battle for the battle of Armageddon because we're only up there for 41 and a half There are several pages on the website that give you the outline, breakdown of how you add this up to come out to that 41 and a half days. I don't want to digress. Okay, I want to stay on topic. We're out there for 41 and a half days. And then at, at the end of that 41 and a half days, we come down at the Battle of Armageddon with um, down to the we're coming back as an army, as a mighty and powerful, fierce army to destroy the Islamic and communist and Nazi army soldiers. And verse uh, 11, so is Jesus coming back, and we're following him, and it says, I saw, Revelation 19, verse 11, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it called faithful and true, or you can say even amen. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. Then it continues the description of how he will appear. But he's on a white horse. Jesus is coming back at the end of the Great Tribulation. And even after that, you have the wrath of God being 41 and a half days. And then finally, at the Battle of Armageddon, Jesus comes back on that white. And we're following him on white horse as well. Okay? Uh, So this is interesting. Now there's another place in the book of Revelation. That's important that it's in the same book of Revelation, where there's a white horse. So that's in chapter six. So let's look at that. Revelation chapter six. Let's turn there. Another white horse. Now some people think it's the same horse, but that's ridiculous. It's not the same horse. Revelation six verse one. Then I saw when the Lamb, Jesus, broke one of the seven seals. And I heard one of the four living creatures, or angel-like beings, saying with a voice of thunder, Calm. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a toxin, or a uh, bow, and a stephanus, or a crown, was given to him, and he went out promptly, and to cross. Amen. The large footnote in the LB there explains that it's related to the Nobel Peace Prize and the other Nobel Prizes on the Olympics as well as false religion, false peace, false love, and many other things. But it also refers to false prophets and false religion, false messiah, false gods. Uh, people claiming to be God, people claiming to be the Messiah, people claiming to be Christ. And there's been many of those, believe it or not, there's been many people throughout time claiming that they were 
either Jesus or they might say God, whatever they might say. There's been a lot of those people, and there are people walking on earth right now claiming that, multiple people. A lot of crazy looney tunes out there. Some of them are just plain crazy, and a lot of them are demons. They have demons in them, demons possessed. Now, these are not the same horse. Now, we know that Jesus comes back on a white horse, and he does come back to conquer the Islamic communist and Nazi army, and then to usher in the millennium, his rule on earth, his kingdom on But that's not what this is, because when you look at verse 3, and when you go throughout the rest of this chapter, you get the four they are actually demons in this case, rather than being God. This is demons, your red horse, in verse 4, that would be communism and war, revolution. That would be the invention of the Soviet Empire, Communist Party in 1917. Come down to the third one, the black one, in verse 5, that is Nazism and Hitler in World War II, the Great Depression. And the famine, the great famine, that ravaged the whole world, America and Africa, during the 30s and 40s, Great Depression, and World War II and Hitler and all of that. So each one of these horses have multiple elements, multiple parts to them. And then finally, the green horse in verse 8 is Islam. But not just Islam, it's the Iranian, Dite, and Syrian version of Islam, because there's many different versions of Islam. Versions of so-called Christianity. So this is the Syrian coup that helped bring in the Assad family into power in the 1960s and 70s, and also the Iranian revolution in 1979 increase that form of Islam, domination of Islam, and then that continues to this day, and the fruit of Islam being pestilence, viruses, uh, different diseases that have appeared any time that there has been an Islamic conquest of a nation, there has been plagues and diseases from deficits, including rats, and other things like that. So, again, it has a combination of fulfillment. But we've got to focus on that white horse in verse 2 because of the fact that Jesus comes back on the white horse. So this is a counterfeit. Now, white is the spiritual symbolic holiness. For example, it talks about us being in heaven with white robes that Jesus I mean John says that those white robes are actually our righteous robes, not literal white robes. But he uses that symbol of white robes to represent holiness. So white is a spiritually symbolic color of holiness. Um, so the white horse has an appearance of God coming back, an appearance of Jesus coming back, an appearance of holiness. 
and with a Nobel Prize and with Olympic is also false peace, people claiming peace. So that would be many different people, Obama, I mean, Jimmy Carter, other people that won a Nobel Peace Prize. False peace, false peace treaties, even the Abraham Accords would come under this category. You can't narrow this down to just one person or one nation. It is a spirit, a demonic spirit, that conquers many people, many organizations, many companies, many nations, and so forth. It is widespread. It's not just one person or one date. But it has an initial fulfillment and then another better and stronger fulfillment. And all these are like that. But this is, in one sense, false religion, false Christ, and a false coming of Jesus Christ. And that's what came to me last night as I was praying and seeking the Lord about what to share with you today. I know it was God. I know that he put it into my mind about this verse. Even though we know it was initially written with the Nobel Prizes, and even before that, even thousands of years ago, with the Atlantics was part of this building as well. But, but, in the context of the final day, context of the final day, final year, the final one month for the Great Tribulation, it is referring to a false coming of God on a white horse. Now, this might be symbolic of him just trying to appear like God because he will definitely, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us that he will display as like if he was God, not the exact image. He can't do that. It's impossible for him to look exactly like God. But to the human eye, Many people, especially to Muslims and to wicked people, their image of God. Or at that time, they would see him as their God. But if it is, it is also literal, it is possible that we may actually see Assad on a white horse. And I need to prepare you for that possibility. I'm not saying 100% for sure on that, but I believe it's almost sure that Assad will appear on a white horse in heaven. Almost sure of it, but not almost sure of it. Because if you compare it to Revelation 19, where Jesus is coming back, then, and we know that Assad is going to manifest himself as if God is coming back, then why wouldn't he come back on a white horse? Because he knows that a lot of scriptures, he always uses scripture, uses scripture, uses scripture against people, and the devil knows scripture, knows this scripture, knows Revelation 19. So it would be a, a 
powerful way from delusion with Christians who know Revelation 19 think that this really is God. It would be very convincing. And it's going to be a strong, strong delusion, not something weak. It's going to be a very powerful event, very powerful visual. Plus, I discovered that the Muslims actually say that this verse, Revelation 6, verse 2, refers to the Maori. Maori, the end-time Islamic leader. I also discovered that the Muslims actually do believe in the book of Revelation and actually a lot of the New Testament, but they say that it was corrupted greatly corrupted, much, much, much corrupted by the Christians that they stole scripture and added a lot, surpassed a lot, changed the words. So they, they take the scripture and they take the book of Revelation and then they twist it. So they take this verse and say that it is the coming of the Maori. So that's interesting that they say that because the white horse actually extremely important to Muslim, extremely important to Muslim, extremely important. This white horse is also known as the Pegasus, and to the Greeks, a flying white horse. You see, I think there's mobile gas stations and mobile oil that uses the wings of a white horse as their symbol. There's a lot of is demonic symbols and many of these gas stations, many different corporations throughout society. You see the white horse standing in front of the Denver, Colorado International Airport as well. Very demonic white horse there and people inside there. So demonic. Uh, a lot of demonic things throughout the Denver so it's not a coincidence that the White Horse statue appears in front of the Denver Airport because it's a very demonic location. There's many demonic things about the airport. So it's not coincidence. It is significant. It is significant. That is also where Obama accepted his Democrat nomination to run for president. He accepted his Democrat party nomination at the Denver airport, I believe, for his first election. Uh, the thing about it is the name of the white horse that was important to the Muslim is pronounced Barack, same as Obama's first name, but that's not how they spell it. And you see it spelled Barack many times across the internet, but it's not correct. That's people trying to connect it to Obama. And even though Obama's connected in one sense, because he is a writer of the green horse, of the red horse, of the black horse, and of the white horse, but he's not the anti number one main antichrist. Obama is not the center position. But even the president of Russia also rides all four of these horses. 
president of Russia, of China, and Iran. There's multiple people that ride these horses. Uh, Martin Luther King did. Jimmy Carter. Uh, Biden, right now, is riding these horses. Many different people because they're a demon. They're spiritual forces influencing society, especially the government, corporations, farmers, and many areas of society as well as religion. So this is not referring just to Obama. And when people spell it as Barack, they're trying to stretch it, try to prove that he's the Antichrist. He's not. He's a Antichrist, but he's not the Antichrist. So it's not spelled Barack. It's spelled B-U-R-A-Q. This is correct. B-U-R-A-Q. Now, that horse, white horse, famous to Muslims, important to Muslims, that is spelled B-U-R-A-Q, that is the Arabic word for lightning, or glittering, shining, or lightning. Now, it's interesting here in Revelation 6, verse 1, that we hear a preacher say, with the voice of thunder, with a voice of thunder. And that's not literal thunder. It's describing his voice. It's a clue. It is still a clue. Because when there is thunder, there is lightning. And lightning is basically the English translation of the famous Islamic white horse. So that gives us a hint that this white horse that we're looking at here in verse 2 is important to the Muslims. And the Muslims take this verse and say it is the coming of the Mahdi, which we realize that the Mahdi is the Antichrist, Assad. So a lot of things are getting connected here, and we're understanding more and more and more. The Muslims say that according to Islamic tradition, in the year 621, at the age of 55, Muhammad was awakened by the archangel Gabriel, which we know it wasn't Gabriel, it was a demon, who invited him to come outside. He stepped through the door. He was introduced to a huge white horse with giant wings, like an eagle. Gabriel told him that the horse once belonged to Abraham and that his name of the horse was Barak, B-U-R-A-Q, meaning lightning. Allah told Muhammad that in the end of day, in the end time, in the day of repay, that the flying white horse will return for the resurrected Muhammad to mount and ride again. Now, Assad, uh, uh, Bashar Assad, his sect, his division of Islam, called the Awali sect, they believe in reincarnation. And they believe that Muhammad and Adam and Noah and Moses were all the same person in different times, resurrected or reincarnated to come back to life again. And that the Maori will be the reincarnated Muhammad and Moses and all these people all in one again. So we could say that 
according to Assad's religion, this horse will bring the Mahdi in the end of time. Also interesting is that for Muslims, the Western Wall, where the Jews pray, is known as the, the wall of that white horse, the Barak Wall. For on the other side of the wall, the Western Wall, on the other side of that wall is where supposedly Muhammad tied the white horse on the night that he on the night that Muhammad ascended ascended into heaven. And the wall links to the structure of a mosque, also known as the Mosque of the White Horse, the, the uh, Barak Mosque. The Barak Mosque is a partly subterranean underground mosque next to the Western Wall, connected to the Western Wall, on the west, southwest corner of the Temple Mount. So they have, they call the Western Wall, the black wall, meaning the, the, the white horse lightning wall, as well as that particular mosque connected to it, also called the white horse lightning mosque. So that white horse is extremely important to the Muslims. A Muslim scholar, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, I was trying to say uh, Ambar, Muslim scholar, scholar with the name of Anbar, is viewed among Muslims as a trustworthy transmitter of Hadith, <clears throat> as well as a trustworthy translator of uh, New Testament scripture and Old Testament scripture, that they say they can actually look at scripture at the Christian Bible, but translate it correctly and word it correctly to fit Islamic doctrine rather than Christian doctrine, that this particular man is a trustworthy translator of scripture to where the scripture would not be Christian, but rather Islamic. So this guy, Anbar, is supported in his view that the writer of the White Horse in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, is the Mahdi, and he's supported by two Egyptian authors who quote him as saying this. Quote, I find the Mahdi recorded in the Book of Prophets. For instance, the Book of Revelation says, well, I saw him go on a white horse, and he that sat on him went conquering and to conquer. It is clear that this man is the Mahdi who rides the white horse and will judge by the Quran, with whom will be the men with the marks of prostration, uh, the marks of prostration in the forehead. So what this man said is that the Mahdi will come in the sky on a white horse in Revelation 6-2 and with people with marks in their forehead. But that the mark in their foreheads is prayer, prayer not that when the Muslims pray five times a day, that if they do that constantly day after day after day, that eventually you see carpet burns or floor burns in their forehead. So we have another connection. 
for people who are, who are spiritually marked in their forehead by Islamic worship. It is said by some people that it is for that reason that the president of Iraq that President Bush overthrew in the Iraq war, Saddam Hussein, Saddam Hussein had numerous murals painted all over Baghdad, portraying him, portraying himself as a Muslim knight on a white horse with a sword drawn during battle against the infidel. So very clearly, Saddam Hussein, who at one time ruled Iraq and invaded Kuwait, and America had to overthrow him, and it was a very righteous overthrow, a very righteous war, despite all the propaganda that you have been fed by the Republicans and Democrats vote. It was a righteous war. It was right to overthrow that dictator, and he thought that he was the Maori. And I would say also that the current president of Turkey believes he's the Maori as well. That neither one of them. There's also false Maori. And even the Muslims say that in the end times there would be false Maori. See. So there are some false Maori as well. Islamic prophecy also says that when an army bearing black black flag, that is the flag of a jihadist, comes from the east, from the area of Iran, or even from Central Asia, then the appearance of the Maori is imminent. When he appears riding on a white horse, he will lead the army to reconquer Israel, and Jerusalem will be the location of the Islamic Empire, and the center of Islamic rule, even for the whole earth, is their teaching. That is what they actually do. And another statement of the Maori coming on a white horse. Now, look at Matthew 24, because Matthew 24 is important as, as well. Matthew 24, verse 4. Matthew 24, verse 4. Verse 4 says, Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So we can relate that to being the white horse in Revelation 6 of false Christes, false coming of God. But that's been done many times for thousands of years. So there is different times of fulfillment. So there's a fulfillment that has been going on for thousands of years, but then that increases to a ultimate fulfillment, a primary fulfillment, the main show, the main event, the main fulfillment when Assad comes, also claiming to be God. Verse 6, 
You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but it's not yet the end. Now, we can relate that to the red horse in Revelation 6, which is communism, communist party, Russia and China, and even the Democrat party is part of the red horse. And therefore, even Obama also, and also Biden, and Hillary Clinton, and any and every Democrat that you know, they also are part of all these forces, demonic forces that are ruling not only in government, but in families, in society, in cartoons, in movies, in music, in books, and magazines, and corporations. Amen. The whole world is full and overflowing with Babylon. So this is war in addition to all of that. And war has always existed. Amen. But it increases, it increases as we get closer and closer to the Great Tribulation with a final fulfillment in Assad comes to power through war. Assad will come to power through the Middle Eastern war in Syria as well as a war in heaven, Revelation 12. Revelation 12 talks about the devil and his angels and the Michael, the archangel Michael and his angels waging war in heaven. So the white horse comes to power through war. Remember that it said about the white horse that he goes forth to conquer and conquering. So the white horse and the red horse are blended together. And all these are blended together. And they all increase to the final great tribulation. Verse 7, for races and nations will fight against races and nations. We see right now an increase in race war, racial tensions because of Obama and because of Biden and Clinton and all the Democrats. They have caused a race war that has increased in the, in the last few years and continues to increase. And also uh, spiritual realm and physical kingdoms, and spiritual realm and physical kingdoms also fighting one another. So good versus evil in the spiritual realm also always existed, but increasing. And also uh, against places there would be famines, which is the black horse with Nazism, the Great Depression, and famine also related to our current situation with the COVID virus, with certain business, certain restaurants closing down, certain businesses closing down, uh, certain airports closed, certain seaports closed, with less supplies and prices increasing, especially now that Biden has causing the shipping fuel prices to increase, gas, gasoline, and diesel. Uh, for the airplanes, for the ships, for the trucks, for the trains, gas prices increased. So that's going to increase food prices as well as more businesses closing, more businesses closing, because there's going to be more people dying from the vaccine, and they're going to say that's people dying from the virus, but it's actually people dying from the vaccine and virus. Oh. More and more and more people are dying right now 
from that virus. Every day I hear somebody else, ever so many week or two, we hear the number go up like hundreds. And that's just the ones they're reporting. Amen. I guarantee you that there are people dying from the virus that's being counted as just regular heart disease and cancer and all kinds of other stuff. So we're going, that's going to increase. And I also believe that China is going to release more viruses, as well as COVID and the regular flu and the swine flu and the bird flu and all these different flus and all these different viruses and Ebola, all increasing and multiplying and even false reading these, these viruses crossing because they are all components of one another. They are all components of one another. The COVID SARS-2 virus is a combination of some of these previous viruses. It's SARS-1 edited, sliced in a lab with other viruses. So this is only going to increase. And the famine will increase. The um, uh, pestilence, the diseases, the war will all increase. Uh, the racial war, the democrats all increase. And as well as earthquakes and hurricanes. You can expect this next hurricane season to be And it has been every year. We have one year that was blackened. Uh, last year was fierce. And I really believe this final year before the Great Tribulation, we can expect a fierce hurricane and typhoon season, as well as major earthquakes. We do have Sister Grace in Jamaica that has had the multiple dreams of earthquakes coming, which we believe that is specific for Jamaica for her, for her dreams, but we also know that there's going to be great earthquakes coming to Texas and to other parts of the Caribbean and the West Coast in California. Uh, and along the New Madrid, Missouri, different places, uh, and across the world, of course. I do believe that as it goes in time, and after that, into the great tradition, that people need to be wise about where they are living and be prepared and ready, willing, to breathe, to do what God has programmed every one of us to do, to have that natural instinct of survival. Try to stay alive as long as we can. That's natural. That's what God wants us to do. And it would be foolish to stay in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, Detroit, Atlanta, New York, Places that are large urban cities where everybody's going to kill each other for a penny, for an ounce of food, for a gallon of gas, and places that are hurricane prone and places that are earthquake prone. If I lived anywhere that was prone to violence, or earthquakes, or hurricanes, I would be getting out of Dodge 
right now. Then as I could, I would save up the money. I would beg for more. I would do whatever it took to get out of the danger zone as soon as possible and not wait to even if it take, even if it took standing on the street corner with a sign begging for money, I would get out and put it in place because that is just simply the wise thing to do. But you know what people do instead? Well, I was born here. Or my family's here, or this person's here, or this is where I'm accustomed to, or I don't believe it's gonna happen. It can't happen to me. It can't happen to my town. Protect me, or God has not told me to move. Does God have to tell you to to get up in the morning every day? Will you lay in your bed until God says get up? Do you have to have God to tell you to change your clothes or to go use a bathroom? Do you really have to have everything spoken to you and commanded? For you to do what is common sense and wisdom and natural? Oh, but I'm waiting on the voice of the Lord. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too expensive. Well, enjoy your death. Because you're going to die by being a fool. And I say it like that because that's the honest truth and people need to hear the honest truth to help them wake up out of this sleep that they are in, a complacent. I only got one year left, and there's no doubt about at all. God has confirmed it in the book of Psalms and the Bible, as well as our local songbook, as well as through so many things. So many things over and over and over and over. So many powerful confirmations, and yet people still don't believe it. Still don't believe it. Because they have to see the lightning and the thunder. By the time you see the lightning and the thunder, guess what? It's too late. Except for, well, you've got 30 days left to flee at that time. And Assad appears in the sky 30 days to flee. But at that time, the prices for gasoline, for fuel, the prices for food, for last-minute supplies is going to be so incredible. And the difficulty in getting certain places and the danger and everything else. And what about safety even for right now because some of these places could be hit by a hurricane or a tornado way before a star appears in the sky. Amen. We don't know what day the earthquake's going to We don't know that. We don't know what day the hurricane is coming or the, the rapist or the murderer. So I think people need to use wisdom and seek safer places to live, whatever it takes. Achieve it. It's more difficult for some people than others, but nothing's impossible 
if we seek the Lord and his help and his guidance in it. Amen. But now, in verse 8, it says all these things are the beginning of birth pains. Now, if you take it in the conflict, all these things have already been partly fulfilled for thousands of years. All these things has already, already been going on. But as it gets closer and closer and closer, that birth pain increases. So even though we look at this, if we compare all this with Revelation 6, with those four horsemen, we see the same thing. We see false crises, wars, famine, and... Uh, war, famine. We don't see pestilence there, but we know that that's going to be part of the war and part of the famine. It's going to be all blended together. And when you get the birth pains, finally, it's going to rush, rush forth, finally. Now, we've been in the birth pains for the last eight months in one snap. And then a ninth month of the Abraham Accords, actually it could be nine months when it comes, uh, next month, Passover. Next month at Passover will be nine months since the conception of the Abraham Accords. So I believe that even term of this month, as well as Passover of next month, that from these time points, we're going to see a great increase in all of these things until we finally get in the final, final, final nine months and final one month special. So we got to look again. I'll make this brief when we're looking at the seals and chapter six, Revelation six. We look at it as, yes, 1901, 1917, the 1930s and 40s, the 1960s and 70s, and then COVID and Ebola. But we also got to start looking at those skills as also then the current next year, 2022, the appearance of a star in the sky St. Patrick's Day, March 17, 2022, 30 days left after that. And during those 30 days, there's war, famine, and disease, starvation, and disease, and all these things accumulating to be breaking out of that flood of violence and sky-high prices and danger everywhere. So it results in the birthing of the Great Tribulation on Passover and the first day of Almighty Great. We've got to look at it in both time frames. And I believe that Matthew 24, because it has a relation to the seals, actually confirms that Revelation 6, verse 2, the white horse, is referring to not only the Nobel Prizes and the Olympics, 
false peace and false love and all these things, but also referring to the actual coming of the fake Christ, the fake God, a fake coming. Probably, most likely, literally on a white horse. So, I believe that is what God and David and David said. Any questions before I give an announcement about the time change and about tomorrow's services and other things? Any questions? Anybody concerning what I've already said? It is also a confirmation, which we don't even need another confirmation, but there's also confirmation of the Antichrist coming before the tribulation and Christ not coming until after the tribulation. You've got the false Christ is coming first in Matthew 24, as well as 2 Thessalonians 2 says that the Son of God, that, that God will not come and fill uh, the false Christ, the Son of Perdition, come first. But Matthew 24 confirms that again. And that relating to Revelation 6, getting, getting now this better comprehension, a deeper understanding of the white horse referring to a, 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 a eventual greater fulfillment in a false god, a false peace, a false love. Make no mistake about it, Assad is going to say, even if he does say right now, He's a man of peace, and he's going to say he's a god of peace. And you got to look at uh, so-called Pope Francis, who many people throughout the world still idolize, even though he's lifted up Islam and homosexuality and not clamping down on abortion, like he said, letting Biden get away with abortion, even though Biden claims to Catholic. Why is the Pope not slapping him in the face? Why is the Pope not coming to Washington, D.C. and appearing on live TV with Biden and saying right to his face, you're excommunicated? Why is he not doing that? Because Pope Francis is literally Satan, the devil, according to the Bible. Read about that on the website. I don't want to digress. I don't want to keep at this all day long. Any questions, brother? The statement. Okay. The time changes here tonight. When we go to bed tonight, we spring forward one hour. Turning across one hour forward in America, except for certain places in Arizona that might not do that. And so we're going to have new moon services tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock in the morning. But because we're going to move the clock ahead one hour, we're going to lose an hour of sleep. And so for people in Korea and Australia and other places where maybe Jamaica, where their clock does not change, if your clock does not change tonight, you're not supposed to change the clock then whatever time you've been listening to the new moon services every month, whatever time that has been,
and you need to tune in tomorrow morning one hour earlier than what you normally listen to the new moon services. And we have new moon first of the month services. Then again, the same thing next week on the seventh day. Whatever time you normally That's only for the people that live in nations and places where the time blocks, they do not change the clock. Okay? But if you live in most of America, you will be changing the clock. And we will meet back here tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, uh, 7 Eastern time. Now, if you can't listen, that's too early for you. That works at the time, but the new moon is not at So if you got to be at work or school at that time, that's okay. Because new moon is not a Sabbath, and you can listen to the services later in the afternoon. Okay, in the afternoon or evening, whatever. When you get home from work and you get home from school, whatever, do the new moon services because we do record them. Okay? Uh, I do appreciate everybody's prayers for my wife and appreciate the prayers for myself. And uh, thank you, everybody that's joined the worship services today. I do invite people to listen back again next week and again tomorrow morning. And every Saturday at 2 o'clock Eastern time, 2 o'clock Eastern time today, come back, listen again, read the Bible. Pray, fast, seek the Lord, seek the truth. Ask yourself the tough question to really seek out the truth. Take time to worship God throughout the week, not just on Saturday. You should worship God every day in our affairs and throughout the day with our hearts and minds and stay strong. Because the war against you is a spiritual war that affects the flesh as well. Not just spiritual. It's a war in every avenue. It's a war in the heavenlies. It's a war on earth. It's a war in the flesh, heart, and mind. It's a war everywhere you turn around. And it's only going to increase as far as the devil's attempt against us. But if you build upon the foundation that's already been laid, you continue to worship God, if you continue to seek repentance, you continue to grow in the truth and repent and repent and repent and grow and grow and grow in maturity and knowledge and understanding and obedience and repentance and all these things, you're going to get stronger mentally and emotionally. And spiritually, and even physically, you will get stronger if you are in the center of God's will. God will help you in every avenue of your life. God will help you. There will be battles won and battles lost because there's ups and downs. We all have ups and downs. We all have valleys and mountains. Everyone is life. It's just the nature of life. But we are get through this valley. I'm in a very hard valley right now, a very, very, very difficult 
hard valley right now. Dreamers. But I know that this is short-lived. I know weeping enduring for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We will have victory. I know it. I know that my, my, my prayers are being answered even by our suffering. My prayers are being answered. We must embrace the suffering because it makes us stronger. God does not remove us from the storm, but rather give us through. Amen. Noah was not removed from the flood, but gave him safe passage through the flood. He will not take us out of great tribulation, but rather would get us through that valley of the shadow of death. Every trial, every valley, every suffering increases our spiritual and mental muscles. We need a good workout. We need a spiritual body building because we are in a spiritual wrestling match. And the Bible says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities, meaning demonic forces in high places, meaning government and corporation, and everywhere it is actually everywhere throughout society. We are wrestling with spirits. Every one of us. Every one of us. None of us are immune to this. We all are fighting a spiritual battle. And Paul used the wrestling analogy and another place in the Bible he used a boxing analogy. And another place in the Bible he used a Olympic analogy. And John used Olympic analogy in all these things. Amen. Praise God. And Jesus is so good. Amen. To speak to us in ways we understand. Amen. God is good that he speaks to us in carnal ways. Even as Paul said, I speak to you with carnal language, Paul said. Amen. I speak to you in the carnal ways that you can understand. Amen. Speak to me, Lord, through the wrestling. Speak to me to the through the boxing, Lord. I want to hear. I want to understand. Speak to me any old way you want to speak to me. Just speak to me, Lord. And I know, Lord Heavenly Father, that you will not forsake me if I do not turn away from you. You will not turn away from me because you are faithful. Praise your holy name. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord this spiritual need. Thank you, Lord, for giving us greater understanding. Thank you, Father, for preparing us for battle. Thank you for choosing us for the battle. Thank you for picking us to be on your team, be in your army. Thank you for choosing us to fight the enemy. Pray that we'll make you proud. We ask you, Lord, to strengthen us in mighty ways for this battle. Continue to strengthen us in every way, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, even physically. Prepare us, Father, harder time. Let us not be distressed. Let us not fret. Let us not fear. For your rod and your staff, 
I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Nothing shall pull me away. I shall not be shaken. Not by anything. I shall not be shaken. Lead me in the path of righteousness. Lead me, Lord, and I will follow. In Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Praise God. Praise you. Uh, if anybody don't have my email, you can reach me on the MeWe social media groups. MeWe links are there, many pages on our website. I saw the right ministry to have those MeWe links. Look forward to talking to some new people. New people are, are coming almost every day. Someone new, but praise the Lord. More and more people are seeking. More and more people are finding Pray for my energy and strength because a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. Amen. I look forward to working with some of you face to face. And hand to hand, I need your help. I need your help bad. I need to come together as a family, as an army. Let us be a mighty, warrior army and to be a mighty warrior army we've got to press the press okay man i know it's not always easy we've got to press past our own will our own desires accept god's plan Uh, and whether God's plan is for us to live or God's plan is for us to die for his glory, then whatever God's will is, but you've got to make for sure it's God's will and not your own. Too many people following the wrong will. What is God's true will for you, both now and in the tribulation? Fast for it. Seek it. Seek it with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul. Diligently seek. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, not those that casually seek him. He's not a rewarder of the couch potato Christian. He's a rewarder of those that diligently love him and serve him with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul. Press, 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 fight, fight, fight. Don't give up. Battle's almost won. I think I'll pray a little harder. Swim another river, climb another mountain. Praise the Lord. Praise God. All this in Jesus' name. God bless you, Arnie, as well. Hope to talk to you somehow, somewhere. Contact me. See you later. God bless everybody. Amen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.